Well, before I jump into giving us a little bit of the history, Ray, you used to go to something called the Manti pageant, or at least you went, well, I know we went twice, yes. uh, or I went once with you, but you had gone once before at least. Uh, what was that all about? Horrifying. Um, <laughs> what, it what really was. It, was. A scary uh, movie? Yeah, it was, uh, I went with uh, Youth of the Mission, and they took me to a pageant. I knew nothing about it, and there were thousands of Mormons came, and they mocked the cross. Hmm. And I got up to preach open air, and there was a lot of young people, teenagers, and uh, they packed around, and as soon as I preached Christ crucified, they became very violent. Hmm. Mormons? Uh, they, yes, very violent. That's hard wow. to believe. I know. But they I, ca- I, they, they yeah. came forward, and there was someone under a, under a, a sheet, uh, a fake, you know, we did a fake oh, funeral. Oh, you doing the, yeah. And I thought, this person's life is in danger because this crowd is getting so angry. Uh, then a couple of Mormons approached me, and they, they said that I had touched one of them inappropriately and I had to go to the police station and it was uh, really, really scary for a time. Wow. So I thank God that I didn't get put in jail, but I thought, man, I'm in Mormon country. The judge is going to be Mormon. The prosecutor is going to be Mormon. <laughs> Everyone's Mormon. And I haven't got a show. And I thought I was going to be thrown in jail for a long time, but uh, got out. Thank God. What do you do when you're incessantly mocked and persecuted by one of your podcast co-hosts, well, you enact humble, gentle, meek, tender, and ultra-loving Christian vengeance. <laughs> That's what you do. In Oscar's case, it oh, means cutting off forever <laughs> his favorite supply of my sister's world greatest magical baklava. I'm a little worried about this, actually. Yeah. Well, and then to add insult to injury, what you do is you transfer that supply to a lovely Australian named Kenneth Hamster. <laughs> uh, why does it feel so good, Oscar? I reject the idea that he's lovely, first off. Second. <laughs> yeah, I, I think we can agree with you on that, right, Ray? Mm-hmm. Not very lovely, Ken Ham. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, so here's, for those who don't know, Easy's sister uh, makes the best baklava I've ever had and let me just explain that baklava i believe when the bible talks about manna from heaven i I think it it was referring to baklava (laughs) everywhere i've go i've had baklava in europe i've had baklava in greece i have baklava all over the united states and the best baklava i've ever had is Easy's sister. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? And wow. whenever she's in town, I get like a tray that lasts less than 24 hours yeah. for me. It's, it's, Oscar it enters problem. the realm of gluttony. It's true. At that uh, time. And then Easy sends me a picture that Ken Ham got a tray of baklava yes. from his sister, and I'm not ready to share. Well, <laughs> that's the not, problem. It's not an issue of sharing. Your supplies cut off forever. <laughs> I don't like uh, this. That's all. all. Look, your salvation with me for baklava is by works. <laughs> 100%. Yeah, man. My sister, oh, she is unbelievable. So she, I was with Ken Ham. You guys know I went out and did the Bible Bee. Hamburger. Hamburger. Did the Bible Bee. And then uh, Ken picked me up for the day and we spent the day together. And then the next day after we hung out, he flew to New Jersey to speak at a church there. And I didn't tell him, but it was my sister's church. And so he got accosted by two Arabs within the span of uh, one day. And um, Arabit. Arabet, yeah. <laughs> and so she shows up with homemade baklava for Ken Ham. And he, like you, recognized He really this. raved to Oh, me. best baklava. He's sending so us videos. He's sending pictures wow. of him eating a baklava. Is she available savory. to work for our ministry? <laughs> Honestly, we have a brand new kitchen for our her. baklava maker. Uh, anyway, I'm having fun torturing and tormenting Oscar. Have you, too, ever tasted the glories of baklava? Only when I met you, and I love it. Isn't it good? Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a, would you call it a pastry? Uh, yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah, it's Middle really, really nice pastry. Why so quiet, Mark? Have you had baklava? Yeah, no, I, I love it. I, it's just sticky. Right? I'm I mean, surprised, really? Because I, I thought you only eat stuff from BJ's Pizza, and I don't think they serve I, baklava I do there. love B- and winter schnitzel. <laughs> okay. No, it is sticky, but you put <laughs> it in your mouth. You don't, you don't play with it. You well, I don't it pick mouth. it up off the table with my mouth. Why not? I got to somehow pick it up. I, I do like it. I love pastries. In fact, we were just talking, Oscar, you usually bring us pastries. Yeah, where is that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> where are they at? Oh, pathetic. now you're Chocolate doubly croissants. losing your yeah. baklava. Evil. See I normally bring them in before the podcast for us to enjoy. I, one time, actually, I think in Tennessee, we were at a conference with Miguel and Eddie, and some lady came up and gave me baklava because she heard that I liked it on the podcast. Ah. Which was awesome. 
Thank you so was much, Baklava Woman. It was really okay, good. Okay, so I was in England, and somebody heard me say on the podcast that I love brand new socks. <laughs> Stop. So they gave me brand new socks. I Are love. You I just bought four packages of brand new. Do you socks really like day. me? I, I love them socks. so much. I really, I really like Lamborghinis. I, yeah, I was going to say. We know. We see you in your yellow one all the time. <laughs> oh man! Side I, note, listener, not true. I, do. I love. Uh, I love like not just new socks, but a lot of new socks. So I, I have like probably twenty, twenty-five pairs. Yes. Well, I mentioned that I like skunks, and I got given skunks. <laughs> <laughs> At what did. point do you throw away? Like you're at 25 pairs, you can go a month without ever reusing a pair of socks. So at what point do you throw away old socks? Those are the ones I have in my drawer. I have backups. <laughs> of course. <laughs> I keep exactly. 400, 400 packs Actually, easy burns his socks after he's worn them once. <laughs> oh. So yeah. my brother Bryce, who worked at a clothing uh, store for sporting goods, he said he'd never wore the same pair of of socks twice the entire time that he worked there. No way. Because he got free socks yeah. and he worked there for years. He'd yeah. wear them, throw them in the trash. Something about new Unbelievable. clean socks. They feel good. But I understand where he's coming from. Yeah. Uh, Mark, you need to eat more baklava. Mark, you have to admit, though, you are starting to warm up to Mediterranean food a little bit after I took you to... Yeah, you took me for some uh, shawarma. Yeah. And it was actually very good. Ooh. Very, very good. Yeah, Overpriced. Oscar, we're going there good. soon, Oscar. Oh, is that you where we're going? to try the oh, shawarma. Man, Anyway, overpriced. Yeah. Oh, you paid for it. But I thought it was overpriced. <laughs> I was going to say, I looked at the menu and I went, wow. Zero for you. While we're on the subject of socks, a lady came into the store <laughs> and I was overwhelmed with her enthusiasm. And it turns out that she was a very, she says, I was a very, very committed Catholic. And I started reading the Bible during COVID 2019. And she wow. said, it absolutely transformed me. She says, I got saved. Found out about your ministry two months ago. And she had a huge pile of tracks that she was purchasing. She was really? just on fire for we God. We had another story like that recently, Oscar. A couple of friends during COVID started yeah. in the Bible. That's it. We actually just did a video on it, which should waters. be releasing in a couple of weeks. Yeah, yeah. that yeah. happened to my brother Mike as well. well during COVID? During COVID. Seriously, Catholic. you think about what the things that God did despite COVID, yeah. you know, oh, and, man, and amazing. through it. Yeah. Speaking of tracks, yeah. uh, do you know what kind of tree you can hold in your hand? A uh, bonsai? Pal- a palm tree. A palm tree. <laughs> 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 I told that to Horacio, our camera guy earlier, and he was like, I thought you were being smart. I'm like, that's as smart as I get, bud. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's all true. you get. That is very true. All right, friends, we have a comment. Oh, this is a nice comment. Let me guess, it includes your name. This is a nice comment. <laughs> I met Easy. Oh. Happy, excited face. And is, is that this, a clown? Is, this, is that, that are you looks serious? Like a clown symbol. Maybe not. Yeah, I met no, Easy. It is. I love this podcast. When you mentioned we it. We had 2,000 wonderful comments. They're all just deleted. <laughs> when you mentioned it in your YouTube channel, I was so excited to listen to it. I agree with Easy that lemonade flavored coffee is gross. Here we go. I mean, it's just plain weird. I saw Easy at the National Bible Bee competition. I'm 11, so I am in the junior division. My mom and I asked him if Frey Comfort was going to be there. He's right over there, he said. Ray was not there, so I was a little disappointed. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> That's a bad, bad, bad <laughs> trick. I love seeing Easy at the Bible Bean. I love his sense of humor. Yeah, he is very funny. Aw. I hope I get to meet Ray, Oscar, or Mark someday, too. Also, Easy said he would read my comment on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Blessings, Alyssa. Oh, Adorable. Hi, Alyssa. Adorable it. little girl. Met her at the Bible Bean. Was she a family. part of the competition? She was a part of the competition. That's awesome. And uh, so I told her, hey, send in a comment, of course, about me mocking Oscar's <laughs> coffee, and I would read it. <laughs> there you go. All right, friends, uh, this podcast is brought to you by the Starter Kit. Ray, you have a very fond affection for the Starter Kit. Yeah, I think we sold 800 just recently yeah. um, because it's such a great way to get started. That's why we call it the Starter Kit. Yeah. All to one I, woman named Sue Comfort. I thought of that name. Oh, trying to very brilliant, Ray. Thank it's you. It's got someone, uh, yes, running on it or something. Uh, oh, n- thanks, Brad. <laughs> Brad puts all that brilliance. It's got someone running on it. <laughs> oh, Wheezy has just made an appearance. Yes, Brad, it is very, very nice. Uh, it's got the Million Dollar Bill uh, tracks, Ten Commandment coins, comics, Are You a Good Person? Comic, Are You a Good Person? Oh, the small version. And 101 of the World's Funniest One-Liners. And don't forget the evidence bible at livingwaters.com let me just comment on the starter kit it really is a great place to start when you're thinking how do i initiate a conversation right we call them icebreakers Mm. and instead of just 
kind of cold calling somebody over the phone or approaching somebody and trying to initiate a conversation. What do you do? Where do you go? And I think that's the number one uh, question I get. How do you start a conversation? Yeah, with words. Hence, the starter kit, right? So it's our best tracks that we have, our most popular tracks. Yeah. I would also uh, say if if you've never purchased tracks before and you go on our website and you have choice anxiety over which ones are going to work best for you, the starter kit is a great start with that because it gives you all of the most popular ones for you to try. And when you get done with that box, you can go back and buy more of the ones that you enjoyed giving away most. The cure to choice anxiety. That is good. The cure to choice anxiety. Yeah, and there's also the... the, uh, sample pack? Sample pack. Oh, the memory <laughs> test. Get the, the memory test. Easy, memory easy wrote the memory test. The sample pack. Yeah, that'll show you just about every track we carry. And then, uh, yeah, you can check then it out. Then there's the evidence Bible. <laughs> oh, yeah, the evidence Bible. Livingwaters.com. And then you can get baklava. <laughs> Wait, do we sell that on the store? Seriously, I bet you. Can we, we do a baklava track? If we, inc- <gasps> <laughs> if we included baklava in every order, I think our orders would like oh, to my. I would does, order them so all. I'm just, this, yeah. is damn, this is serious, but does baklava last for a while? Does it go off or is it? Uh, it can dry up. Not when they but give it, does, it to me. Isn't it got honey melted over it? Yeah. So that's oh, going to make it last, like isn't it? Because honey doesn't go off. Sounds amazing. So We should have chips and salsa. All right, friends, today. We're talking about a subject. I'm actually excited to talk about this. You wouldn't think I would be, but um, I am. What is it? Mormonism. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Potatoes. Ray just shows up. He just sits there. Uh, Yeah. But Mormonism, there are 16 million Mormons on the planet. That's just a Huntington Beach. (laughs) It feels that way. I witnessed a Mormon at Huntington, actually. It's it's probably a video we should put out. The vast majority, 11 million in the U.S., right? Uh, I'm not sure exactly in the U.S. I just know 16 million. They are very nice folks, except for one politician. Uh, ooh, mm. Mitt Romney. Mm. Yeah, I'm going to talk about uh, some of the prominent Mormons. But yeah, 16 million. Did you guys guess there are that many? Did you think less? What is that? All one family? Yeah, you know, they <laughs> basically have a, a one polygamous Mormon family. <laughs> we love Mormons, by the way. Yeah. Sure, I have yeah. a lot of Mormon relatives. Uh, Wait, is... Mark, what do you mean? You are a Mormon relative of. Joseph Smith. Yeah, so I'm told. I still haven't seen the lineage. Listen. Mark, I want to, just real quick, I'm sorry. Yeah. I really want to punch you in a very- Because <laughs> you've asked me for years but to pick up the lineage. In a very loving Christian yeah, way, I've, but I've I do want to violently aunt. punch you. Mark, find the She's genealogy. She's busy at potlucks. I don't know what to say. She hasn't been giving me the lineage. Okay, there is no religion more committed to genealogy than Mormons. True. Yes. You can find your lineage, trace it to Joseph Smith. Mark, that's that's such a, a great opportunity for you to talk to Mormons. Yeah, yeah but he had a bunch of wives. Yeah, so there's great. Probably okay. millions. We'll of, obviously fire him from the ministry. Yeah. Smith's his great great grandma was his concubine. Yeah. Anyway, Mark, you were going to say before Oscar. I don't remember Oscar. Uh, I will say in regards to lineage, my step. No. Yeah, my father in law. I was trying to figure out what he is. My father-in-law, my my wife's dad came from a Mormon family. He's got his books, his lineage there. He grew up in a Mormon household. And really cool story. I don't know if I ever told you guys this, but when my not wife to, and I first today, got married, told us today. oh, perfect. When my wife and I first got married, we uh, moved in with my in-laws to save money to buy our first home. And at that same time, I was also in the process of helping uh, plant a church. And so we were having prayer meetings in the backyard. My good friend, Chris, who we ended up planting a church with, would come over and him and I would just sit in the back and like cast vision. And my father-in-law would join us for these conversations. And then he would, as he says, he would observe the marriage that I was having with my wife. And through the conversations, through gospel conversations, and through observing the relationship that my wife and I had, he got saved, and he was the first person to be baptized at our church. Really? Wow. Mm-hmm. So I never told you that. Father-in-law was an actual practicing Mormon. He, well, practicing, he wasn't. He was no longer attending church. Latter Day Saint. Um, he he was Latter Day Saint. <laughs> yeah, but he was. Uh, he grew up at, at, attending his family. He's got a devout family that's committed to it. So um, he would have called himself. Yeah, I mean, like he, what was really cool is he decided on his own before his baptism to write the Mormon church a letter basically removing himself from the Mormon tradition, family, like remove me from your list. I'm no longer a part of the church. Um, So would he be considered a Jack Mormon? That's what the the, the saying? Probably at that time before he got saved, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, wow, that's amazing, Oscar. Mm. Praise the Lord. Yeah, I, our our example, our testimony goes a, a long way. I think personally, that's one of the lures of Mormonism. Yeah, is that they are extraordinarily nice people. Yes, mm. some of the nicest people on earth. You know, when I think Mormon, I think nice. I think wholesome. I think 
character, integrity, morality. I, mafia. They're known for that. Do you think of <laughs> mafia? I think white shirt, Mormon black mafia. tie. Do you think of haunted houses? <laughs> I don't. <laughs> but isn't that funny enough that Utah and Mormonism, they are some of the biggest financiers for haunted movies and yeah. haunted houses. They're big for into real? horror movies. Yeah, for yeah, sure. That's a thing? Really, yes. It's a known thing. They're really big into horror movies. Why? Mm. I have no that's idea. So it's because they're so wholesome thing. and nice, as easy said. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, um, huh. but, but again, I, let, let me just... I mean, we were being light earlier, but but I do want to say very clearly, we absolutely love Mormon people. Of course, of course. Um, and, and what we're going to be sharing today, as we talked about when we've done other episodes talking about other religions or cults, we're sharing in love. We're mm-hmm. sharing out of care and concern. Uh, it's not about trying to be right so that we can bolster ourselves. It's it's about the truth. The truth matters. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and we, we, we seriously love Mormons. Um, when we put it into perspective, we love everybody. Yeah. <laughs> well, Listen. I'm, Go ahead. Go, nope, you. nope, you. Yeah. All right. Age before beauty. Uh, Brigham Young on May 18th, 1873, in the Journal of Discourses, volume 16, page 46. Wow. <laughs> he has that memorized. What He's line? He's totally Mark, not reading line? that off his He computer. said, Take up the Bible and compare the religion of the Latter day Saints with it and see if it will stand the test. Well, it doesn't, mm. doesn't. So there is the challenge. There's the gauntlet. They yeah. are asking us to, hey, if we do not adhere to what you believe to be orthodoxy, if we are not truly Christians, if the Bible doesn't line up with what we're saying, would you please tell us? Mm-hmm. Right. And that's what we're doing. Yeah, right? we, we can, we're not mocking, but we can have fun, just like yeah, they have fun concerning Christianity and everything else. Yeah, Two Oscar. things. Think one, as you were talking, a bolt fell out of your chair. <laughs> <laughs> really? Mark's yeah. always falling apart, Oscar. Thing two, I love that you started there. Because if you go into culture, it, and even if you go online and you look up Christianity against Mormonism, whatever the case, it's so easy to find people mocking Mormonism, yeah. Yeah. poking fun at it in a, in a way that it's not helpful, right. um, in a way where it feels like they're just kind of sticking their eye. I mean, there's there's a musical that's basically designed to mock Mormonism. It's called the Book and, of Mormon, right? Yeah, yeah. and, and I, we cannot be faithful witnesses to the gospel when we belittle people. Right. We love to give things away. We love to give things away. And that's why we will do that every single day here on the Living Waters Podcast. That's right, friends. We're giving away goodies for those of you who go to livingwaters.com forward slash podcast and fill out the form. We are giving 10, believe it or not, 10 different people each week goodies from Living Waters, $100 value for each box. You'll get tracts and books and a podcast mug and all kinds of good things. So make sure to participate at livingwaters.com forward slash podcast. And make sure to listen to the very end of the podcast where you will hear the announcement of the winners every week. Yeah, and and it's contrary to the conviction of the Spirit who's in us, right? The fruit of the Spirit is love. Yeah, speak uh, the truth in love. Absolutely. That's the command. Yeah, and so so that's what we want to do today. So as I said, uh, there are a lot of Mormons on the planet, 16 million Mormons. There are 31,315 congregations. You guys know that the local congregations are called uh, the wards as opposed to churches, and then um, the leader is a bishop. And then when you have several wards in a certain area, it's called a stake. They have a stake president. That's kind of how they're sort of split and up. And they have a skydiver's nightmare. Oh, <laughs> the steeple? Yes. The sharp steeple? Skydiver's nightmare. You see them uh, skewered every morning on Sundays. Yeah. And then, of course, we know in addition to, to their wards, uh, they have temples, right? That, that kind of makes them very distinct from, mm-hmm. from evangelicalism. We have one on our way to San Diego. Here. Yeah, that's right. Oh, it it's like a very a fancy Snow White's castle or something. Yeah. Beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. And there's one uh, easy being built. Two minutes from our house, right? In really, our, right? A in temple our city. or a ward? Yeah. No, a, temple. a temple. Oh, oh wow. there's a lot. There's a there's a number of wards in our area, yeah. uh, but they're building. Yeah, they're building a temple, which is a big deal. I mean, you know, 265 temples only. They're heading toward 300, but yeah, one's coming near Belinda. And by the way, we're not Mormons. <laughs> sounds <laughs> we, like it. We we're are not the Mormons. And hey, can you guys? Name any prominent Mormons you could think of? Joseph Smith, next question. (laughs) (laughs) Mitt Romney? You you mentioned Mitt Romney. Steve Young, quarterback for Steve Young, 49ers. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Uh, Anyone else? Anyone else? Any more women? Uh, Yeah, let me see More men or more women? <laughs> no, Oscar, <laughs> looking at my. I was about to look at no. There's a lot of. Right, so you've got, you got John Hedder, Napoleon Dynamite. Yep. But my lips hurt real bad. <laughs> wow, that was, that was really good. Was that good? Actually. 
I could do a good kip too, but I won't. Uh, John Hedder, uh, David Archuleta. He was a big uh, American Idol uh, contestant. I've never seen him, but Isn't Roseanne Barr, a Mormon. She was. I heard she. She was. At He's one googling point. it, by the way. Um, Stephen Covey. <laughs> oh, you guys Walker. know Stephen Covey? Seven Habits. Highly effective. He's people. Mormon. I'm going to name these before Mark starts reading the list. He just He's, looked up right now. Got it. Glenn Beck. Of course, we know yes, Glenn of Beck. Course. Uh, Donnie and Marie Osmond. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rick Schroeder. Ricky Schroeder became right. a Mormon. Who's Remember? Ricky Schroeder? Uh, you know, you're we gave him a gospel Austin. track in. Uh, uh, Third Street Promenade. Silver Spoons. Yeah. That's where he started, but he's done a bunch of other oh, things. Oh, he's a chef. Yeah. <laughs> Gladys Knight became a Mormon. Uh, and then, you, you've, obviously, the Mormon Tabernacle Choir is super famous. What about the Pips? The who? <laughs> <laughs> you never heard of Gladys Knight and the Pips? That was her group. Oh, the Pips? No, yeah, I never Pips. heard of it. Yeah. Oh, it really? Pib? It was before Pib? your time. Easy. Yeah, is it Pib, you. a soda? There's a soda called Pib or something. Pip. Uh, and then, uh, of course, uh, Studio C... Uh, oh, yeah. that's they're really really popular Hilarious. on YouTube and and then a uh, VidAngel and Claire play and brought to you by Mormons. We love VidAngel and Claire. Oh, it, is the chosen? I uh, know. Well, they I think they partnered with uh, VidAngel to do it, but it's yeah. the producers are not Mormon. Yeah. Although they've said some uh, questionable some questionable things about supporting uh, calling Mormons brothers, which because we love Mormons, we cannot do. Hmm. Anyway, a lot, lot of prominent Mormons and a lot of sort of blending that's been happening. You guys know that, that Mormons uh, in August of 2018 made a declaration to not use the term or the word or the name Mormon anymore. Latter-day Saints, right? Yeah. Yeah, uh, but they've got a problem because they've got a book called Mormon. <laughs> the Book of Mormon. Uh, yeah, it was uh, in August of 2018, President Russell Nelson made that declaration. He said, when referring to church members, the terms member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints or Latter-day Saints are preferred. We ask that the term Mormon not be used. When was that? 2018, August of 2018. Okay. Yeah, so I wanted to jump into a little history on Mormonism. I don't know if you guys have anything on that you want to do. Uh, otherwise, I can do it. Yeah. Well, just an observation. I'm sure you, you can get into more details. But side note, I just wanted to mention, because as you were going through that, a couple of years ago, I remember reading an article. I can't remember the number, but I do remember that it was in the millions, the Mormon church committed millions of dollars towards internet marketing. Hmm. And so the goal was to prioritize Google so that if you were to Google who is Jesus Christ, they the goal was that you would end up on a Mormon website. Uh-huh. It, was, it was a part of a marketing campaign that they did. S- side note on, on that, because they're a very wealthy church. It's I interesting think. you said that though, because I, I looked up a couple things doctrinally today and and it was Mormon websites. Finance. Yeah, yeah. So it's a, the, the church has 300 billion dollars. Whoa. 300 billion dollars. And they committed millions towards internet marketing to try to part. It, it was in the same process when they changed the name from Mormonism to just yeah. Latter-day Saints. It right. was a part of that whole marketing campaign. Yeah. But it's something that I, I've always thought is interesting. I've read in a couple of books, history books, including, oh no, my mind just went blank. Well, it doesn't matter. I'll remember fake later. Fake it, Oscar. Yeah, I'll fake it. And including Schnickinky Balaka. His book is incredible. You sound um, like me now. I know. I've been hanging out with you too much. <laughs> okay, so in the 1800s, a huge revivalism broke out in the Americas. And that was a good thing. We celebrate that revivalism. We pray for another revivalism. But what's interesting is that a side note ended up happening at that time too, which is that the Americas were cut off from catechisms, from history of Christianity, from the original language of Christianity. And all they had was English speaking pastors reading the King James Bible. Mm. And so what ends up happening in the early 1800s, it's all of these, what you would categorize as cults started to pop up, misunderstanding of the scriptures, including black Hebrew Israelites, where they came from, fundamentalism, Jehovah's Witnesses, and Mormonism. And a part of that, I think it's important to recognize that we cannot understand God's word if it's not connected to the history of God's people and to the original language of what God meant. Because what Mormons and Jehovah's Witness and all the others in the 1800s did is they, they did a simple reading of the text. They didn't understand how to study God's word yeah. and birth from that were all of these issues. Yeah, right. Well, before I jump into giving us a little bit of the history, Ray, you, you used to go to something called the Manti pageant, or at least you went 
Well, I know we went twice, uh, or I went once with you, but you had gone once before at least. What was that all about? Horrifying. Um, (laughs) It really was. Was it a scary uh, movie? Yeah, it was. uh, I went with uh, Youth with a Mission, and they took me to a pageant. I knew nothing about it, and there were thousands of Mormons came, and they mocked the cross. Hmm. And I got up to preach open air, and there was a lot of young people, teenagers, and uh, they packed around, and as soon as I preached Christ crucified, they became very violent. Hmm. Mormons? Uh, they, yes, very violent. That's hard wow. to believe. I know. But I, they I, they, I, they yeah. came forward, and there was someone under a, um, under a, a sheet, a fake, you know, we did a fake oh, funeral. Oh, you're doing the, yeah. And I thought, this person's life is in danger because this crowd is getting so angry. Uh, then a couple of Mormons approached me, and they, they said that I had touched one of them inappropriately and I had to go to the police station and it was uh, really, really scary for a time. Wow. So I thank God that I didn't get put in jail, but I thought, man, I'm in Mormon country. The judge is going to be Mormon. The prosecutor's going to be Mormon. <laughs> Everyone's Mormon. And I haven't got a show. And I thought I was going to be thrown in jail for a long time, but uh, got out. Thank God. Yeah. You know, wow. I was surprised by that. So we, we went and we filmed an episode. We actually have an episode on Mormonism, Way the Master TV. Uh, and um, Mark, you remember that trip, right? Don't you? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I remember... No. <laughs> great, great, Mark. <laughs> Mark's like, uh, Appreciate that. yeah. Uh, um, it's, it's easy over there, Mark. We experienced, Mark, do you remember? We experienced that intensity as well. It wasn't as bad as when Ray went, but... This was in Utah? This was in Utah. Uh, we had gone to the temple, and then we it was went... just we, above Salt Lake City in a place yeah. called Manti. We mm-hmm. went and visited Sandra Tanner, I think yes. that's her name. Yeah, and she, she is Brigham Young's, I believe, great-granddaughter. And we interviewed her for the third yeah. season of our television. We show. interviewed her, and uh, so you know, obviously Brigham Young's great granddaughter, but she is radically saved and has a ministry to Mormons. And boy, does she get persecuted! It's pretty intense. Yeah. But Mark, what was your experience there personally in Manti? Well, what really stands out is going to Sandra Tanner's uh, bookstore. It's yeah. really neat. Right in the center of her bookstore, she has a uh, some shelves, and then she has what would be the weight of the tablets that Joseph Smith would have ran with through the forest when he was trying to get away. And she said that there was a lineman from BYU that came inside of her bookstore, held the weight and said, this is the, how much it would weigh with Joseph Smith running through. Can you run around a little bit uh, (laughs) around that little center books, uh, bookshelves? So he started to do it and he was getting tired and he got exhausted and he sat down and he said, she said, according to her, he looked at her and said, it didn't happen. Wow. There's no way. Wow. Was he a Mormon? He was a Mormon. Oh, yeah. wow. Lyman at BYU. Yeah, Football. I remember seeing that. But and no it doubt was the, heavy. the oh, Mormons yeah. would say angels would have swooped down and helped Joseph. Yeah, but it doesn't <laughs> say that because it, it says by his own accord. Oh, wow. Yeah. By yeah. his own accord. Yeah, so he, all right. Well, there you go. He had a Honda Accord. <laughs> <laughs> so problem solved. So let's get into the history. What, what, what is the backdrop to Mormonism? There's a major claim, and this is kind of at the heart of Mormonism, and that's that shortly after the apostles died, it's purported that there was a great apostasy or a falling away that happened in Christianity. And so God restored the church by raising up the prophet Joseph Smith, and he kind of restored and reinstated true Christianity. So that's really the, the premise behind it all. Joseph Smith, he was born in the 1800s, 1805, in Sharon, Vermont. And it said that ever since he was a little boy, he, he was really kind of confused by all the denominations. Mm-hmm. He hated the fact that Christianity had all these different denominations. And so sometime in the 1820s, we don't know the exact date, he was in his early teens. It says he went into the woods in Manchester, New York to his pray. His family became Presbyterian. Yeah, that's right. They became Presbyterian. His dad especially was not very committed. He would kind of waver, you know, back and forth. He was very mystical, actually. Mm. So anyway, Joseph Smith goes into the woods and, and asks God to show him uh, which denomination to join. He wanted to follow the, you know, the true religion. And this is when he had the, the great vision and that supposedly God, the Father, and Jesus appeared to him and basically told him that all the churches and the professors were corrupt, their deeds were an abomination in his sight. That's a quote, that their deeds were an abomination in his sight. And he was told that the fullness of the gospel would be made known to him, but at a later time. And so then he was 17, and this is when supposedly Moroni appeared to him, the angel Moroni, who's the son of Mormon, which doesn't make sense because angels... Don't beget children, but that's that was what was purported. Appeared to him September 21st, 1823, and then he told him about those golden plates that Mark was talking about. But at that point, uh, the angel said, you're not ready for it yet, so 
those will be revealed to you at a latter time. He was shown them. They were buried in a hill near his home and he was shown them. And then it was said, but you can't, you can't take them now. You can't read them now. So it wasn't until four years later uh, in 1827, he supposedly got the plates and then translated them. He used the Urim, Umum and the, the Thurum. <laughs> I can't even say Thumum, it right. The Urim and the Thummim. You know, those were like kind of seer stones that mm. the Old Testament mentions. And he used those to kind of translate that. And uh, that's kind of how Mormonism started. How did Joseph Smith die? Do you guys remember? Uh, uh, he was prison. murdered. He was murdered. In prison, Did he right? give his life? This is the contrast that I find interesting between the way Jesus died and the way Joseph Smith died, right? So he was ambushed, sadly enough, right? We Obviously, we don't condone uh, the way he died or people attacking him. 200 people or so surrounded him, killed his brother almost immediately. His, word, his last words were, I'm a dead man. Yeah. But Joseph Smith, it says that he emptied his revolver. That's right. Yeah, was a good he fight. went out shooting to kill the people that were trying to kill him. Wow. Much different than the way Jesus died when he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Yeah. Yeah. There was a lot of skirmishes actually. The The Mormon church, when it ended up in Utah, it almost went to war with the United States. Uh, there was quite a bit of skirmishes. So it was, it, there was quite a bit of a violent history. They faced a lot of persecution uh, for sure. Uh, but yeah, there were skirmishes. So they kind of started in New York and then from there moved to Ohio. That's where they really started facing persecution. And then they ended up settling pretty peacefully in Illinois. In fact, they bought a town and they named it Nauvoo. Uh -huh. And that's kind of Sounds like something from, uh, what's that movie that uh, Cameron Star Wars, made? Naboo? No, Cam uh, Cameron made that movie. Little House on a Prairie. A movie about the planet. <laughs> the, the... Cameron Butel? No. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, whatever. Oh, Avatar? Um, Avatar, yeah. Sounds like something from Avatar. James Cameron? Naboo, yeah, James Cameron. That would have helped. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, Sounds like can't two even words. His name. So then they settled there and, and they kind of started to prosper there. Things started to kind of... Uh, take is that off. where the split happened? We're bringing, no, I said that was afterwards. Then, was then after he died, yeah. Then that's when he, you know, that whole thing happened and he died. And that's when Brigham Young assumed leadership. Now there was a little split because some people didn't want to follow Brigham Young. But then they ended up in Utah and that's where polygamy became the thing. And that's that's where the government really started yeah. to oppose them because, you know. They wanted to make Utah part of the union. Since it was predominantly Mormon, they didn't want to give up polygamy, but they it was required for them to give up polygamy in order to become a part of the union, and that was where the rub was. Yeah. So and why that, does the world frown on polygamy? It embraces every other sexual sin and thinks it's wonderful. Well, actually, uh, the polyamory, polyamory is becoming a very popular thing amongst affluent mm. people. A polyamory is basically multiple husbands and multiple wives. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, and then you guys remember that show? What was it called? Uh, Sister Wives or something? Yeah. Uh, where it was like becoming, yeah, like, hey, we all live together. And yeah. again, once the doors were open for homosexuality, really the blood the floodgates burst. The and bloodgates. Bloodgates, pretty much. <laughs> uh, so anyhow, in 1890, Wilford Woodruff, he was one of the presidents, uh, he ended up declaring that polygamy was over. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's kind of when they were beginning to sort of drift more toward mainstream. And the Bible verse was, no man can serve two masters. <laughs> exactly. And so, yeah. And then, of course, you had lots of splits from there. there. There were those that split because polygamy was so integrated into Mormonism oh, yeah. that there were some that said, no, no, we're going to follow the true religion. We're going to follow Joseph Smith. And so that's where the fundamentalism movement. Right, Mormon fundamentalism, which yeah. is interesting because the very thing that Joseph Smith was frustrated with, you can now find it in his own if you could call it church, which yeah. is, it's not unified, right? There's fundamentalist Mormonism, there's mainstream Mormonism. And so within his own church, there's been splits. Yeah. Let me really quickly highlight for you guys. And Matt Slick was really helpful with a lot of this. Uh, Wikipedia, you could look up good stuff on the history, but Matt Slick from karm.org touched on a lot of these things. But but here are some of the doctrines that he highlights that, that they're their main heirs. There's a plurality of gods. Mm -hmm. uh, God the father used to be a man. God is in the form of a man. God the Father had a father. There's a mother goddess. Mm -hmm. People can become gods. The Trinity is three separate gods. We were first begotten as spirit children in heaven and then born naturally on earth. Salvation is by faith and works. Jesus paid for all our sins when he suffered in the, in the garden of Gethsemane. There are three levels of heaven, the celestial, terrestrial, and celestial. And then scriptures consist of the Bible, the Book of Mormon, Doctrine and Covenants, and the Pearl of Great Price. That's a quick kind of snapshot. What are you smiling at, Ray Comfort? 
Brad's nose looking through the window. Is that who you're waving at? Oh, yeah, well, no, he was um, pretending to do his hair in the window, like, <laughs> like it was a mirror, and, and putting his hair over. He, squirrel. Was, he's really funny. Squirrel. 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 Uh, you know, you just hit on quite a bit of stuff, and there's a lot to unpack there. Yeah, and we'll hit on a few of them, hone in on those, but yeah, go ahead, Oscar. But I love that you're, you're going there, because one of the challenges that I think a lot of people have when it comes to distinguishing Mormonism and Christianity is that there, so much of the same words are used, That's yeah. true. right? Jesus, grace, gospel, Old and New Testament, atonement, Father in heaven. From the outside in, it might seem and feel and sound like, well, aren't they Christian too? Isn't it like the difference between a Baptist and a Presbyterian? But I love that you started where you started because unfortunately, no. Yeah. There, there's just so much of a great chasm between what Mormons believe and what Christians believe. I mean, you, you touched on God as the exalted man. Mm-hmm. That alone, we believe that God is the alpha and omega, uncreated God who always has been and always was. But Mormons believe that God is an exalted man, that God was like us one day, that another God perhaps created him and that he exalted himself become to become the God who created us. And in our path towards righteousness, we too could become an exalted God like him. And so just right there alone, yeah. you have a completely different deity. Yeah. This is the thing, right? You would never guess that Mormons believe these things. In fact, I know people who have been taught these things and they're like, wait, wait, there's no way. That's not even, how is that possible? I mean, they basically teach that the God of this planet is Elohim, Mm -hmm. who was once a man from another planet who had a God. And that Jesus, who they call Jehovah, Uh is the spirit son of- Created then. Yeah, of Elohim, whom he had with mother God. Mm I mean, even as I'm saying it now, it's like, wait, what? Yeah. You know, but this is Mormonism and that, you know, the Holy Spirit, there's a lot of confusion within Mormonism who the Holy Spirit is, but but they definitely don't view him as a part of the, the triune Godhead. He's believed to, to be kind of a separate sort of an entity. Yeah. And hand in hand with what Beauty. you're saying, the mantra is, as man is, God once was, and as God yeah. is, man may become. That's right. I, I want to throw an advert out there, if you would, if you're looking for one book to study Mormonism out. We often say, hey, if you want to study out a position, well, go read what their position is. You don't necessarily study what we have to say about Mormonism. Go to their sources. So there is the best book that you can find out there. It is so difficult to find. Ray, what is it called? Where does it say that? <laughs> exactly. It's All it is is it's uh, photo reprints from primary Mormon documents exposing the deception changes and contradictions within their literature. It is a big size, like eight and a half by 11 uh, booklet, so difficult to find. You'll have to go to Amazon to find it, mm. but it's just Xeroxed copies of strange teachings, of false prophecies that have come right. along, because you would often get an LDS uh, missionary come to your door and say, we don't believe that. Right. Where does it say that? Yeah. And that's where you, so it's by Bob Witt, W-I-T-T-E, Bob Witt. Where does it say that? Get it on Amazon. Is it, on, is it a PDF? It is available on PDF. Google Couldn't we PDF download it and put it somewhere? That's a good idea. Yeah, it'd be good. Um, Ray, I got a yeah. question for you. Yeah. There's so much different doctrines that we can well, get into. Well, before you do that then, Oscar, if you can go in that direction, let me just say another great book uh, is a book by James White, Letters to a Mormon yeah. Elder. Uh, James is, is probably one of the most versed uh, apologists on Mormonism. Agreed. Uh, I mean, and he goes out and witnesses to them too. Excellent stuff. You can find a lot of his stuff on YouTube as MRM. well. MRM.org, mormonresearchministry.org. Yeah. We had dinner with him once or lunch and we didn't say a word for two hours. The guy's brilliant. <laughs> the guy's in- uh, yeah, since we're talking me. about books, the best book I've ever read on Mormonism is by Andrew Jackson called Mormonism Explained. It's the best book I've ever read on Mormonism because it's the only book I ever read on Mormonism. <laughs> Guys, I got a better book on, than all the books you're mentioning, Book of Galatians. It's a book on Mormonism. <laughs> there True. You go. Well, actually, that leads me to my question for you, Ray, is, is we can get into a lot of nuances in our doctrinal differences. Where, how, how do you summarize that in a conversation? You're talking to a Mormon. Where do you go? What do you do? Boy, it's a good question. Sound like I set you up because I was wanting someone to ask that, but thank you. Yeah, when I meet a Mormon, I could go to all these doctrinal differences, but I don't. I diagnose what the problem is with one question. I say to them, knife in my back, I've got three minutes to live. Tell me, how can I be saved? Yeah. And a Mormon will immediately get flustered and won't know what to say. Same with Jehovah's Witnesses. They don't know what to say, how to be saved, because their salvation is by works. And yeah. so that diagnoses the problem. 
And then you ask them, are you a good person? And say, yes, I am. Then you can go straight through the commandments into the gospel, and it's the gospel they need to hear. Sure, we can expose their false doctrines, et cetera, but that's going to upset them and close them off to what we have to say. And yeah. what we want to do is get the, go- the biblical gospel to them so they can see their danger and realize that salvation is only through Christ. Amen. Mm. Yeah, you know, sometimes Good. you'll get some Mormons that really demonstrate an openness and a desire to dialogue, and you can do that with them. Our friend... Jeff Durbin has a lot of great videos where he interacts with Mormons, and there are some that really are open, and you can go to those different things. But as Ray said, you got to come back to mm-hmm. the heart of the gospel. And and Ray, you cited their view on salvation. I love your way of doing this, by the way. The Ephesians. Oh, two that Ephesians. Yeah, I love you go it. <laughs> um, but Nephi, Second Nephi twenty five twenty three says, "It is by grace that we are saved. After all, we can do." Crazy. You can start there with them, as I've shared at other times on the podcast. Easy. Could you expose exactly what that's saying? Yeah, basically that's saying that grace is applied after all the works that you could possibly do to earn your salvation. And whatever is lacking, God will make up for it. Isn't that grace. Catholicism's error? It is as well. Yeah, it yeah. is as well. There, there are parallels there for sure. And it's frightening. To me, I've often said, when people have that view, they obviously don't understand the true nature of sin in the sight of a holy God. Yeah. What it really is like to him and how so impossible it is to try to atone for it with our good works. Mm. It, it's it's crazy. So, and and you know, we've shared them before, Ephesians 2, 8, 9, by grace you've been saved through faith that not of yourselves is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. 2 Timothy 1, 8 to 9, therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me as prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works. Uh, Titus 3, uh, we've shared that passage Mm. before, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. Romans 4, 4 to 5, now to him who works, the wages are not counted as grace, but as debt. But to him who does not work, but believes on him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is accounted for righteousness. Finally, Romans 11, 6, and if by grace, then it is no longer of works, otherwise grace is no longer grace. But if it is of works, it is no longer grace, otherwise work is no longer work. People don't realize what they're doing when they offer God their works. They're saying, I'll give you this and you give me eternal life. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Mm. And and so and that's at the heart of it. And you can take it to you mentioned Galatians before, Galatians one, right? I mean, if anyone preaches to you a gospel contrary to that which you've received, let him be accursed. Even if an angel comes and does that, let him be accursed. And I should have put him with gold tablets. Yeah. And and the problem is, is that Joseph Smith didn't take whatever he supposedly received, I believe, I don't believe any of that is true. I believe it was all fabricated. The premise is, let's say it wasn't, he never tested it by scripture. If it was a, some demonic entity, maybe there was something demonic that took place. Some believe that too. Nothing mm. was tested by scripture that's and that's good. the problem. Boy, that's such a good point. And what Mormons do is they exalt the Book of Mormon above the scriptures. Yeah. Same with Catholicism. Catholicism, they exalt tradition of the church above what the scriptures say. Yeah, and, and if you ask them, what was the prior revelation? Well, the Bible. Well, if the secondary revelation contradicts the prior revelation, which one do you, you know, yeah. give your, yourself over to, obviously? Mm-hmm. That's good. So that isn't done. I think no. one thing that gets people caught up and hard, they feel, they feel like they're going to offend someone is if they tell a Mormon, you know, you're not a true Christian. But they're actually saying that to us because you mentioned the apostasy. Yeah. So a Mormon believes that we as Christians, as, as Protestant Orthodox, you know, Christians, that we are a part of the apostasy, that we aren't true believers in the way that they are. So you're basically saying to them what they are saying to you, which should lighten the load a little bit. Yeah, and and I think if you ask them that, that's a good starting place to ask a Mormon, hey, can you tell me what God the Father and Jesus said to Joseph Smith when when they appeared to him in that vision? And let them tell you, well, they told them all the doctrines were, you know, Mm -hmm. were corrupt and so forth. And so from there, you could say, okay, well, then obviously that's a statement that Mormonism is making about evangelicalism, Christianity. So let, let's talk about that. We get Mormon missionaries on our street all the time. I mean, I know their rhythm. Like they're they're in town for six months and they move to a different town. So I get I get two elders to come to my door and I'll sit down for 45 minutes or so with them and have a conversation. And then we will continue that conversation. Six months later, they leave and two new elders. <laughs> and I always start with the same thing, which is, hey, could you tell me the difference between what I believe as a Christian That's and right. what you believe as a Mormon. Yeah. Break that I do the exact same thing. Yeah, it's and normally you, you there's variations, but normally it's uh, we have the Book of Mormon. Jo- we believe Joseph Smith was a prophet. 
and they'll go real quick like and uh we don't live in a trinity <laughs> they're like super fast <laughs> right so uh, yeah and sorry. no well, i just want i really want you to hit on what you do with ephesians too because oh, yeah. i use it now in all of those conversations too yeah. and it is so helpful and let me just say before I share that, that the difference between like Mormons and Jehovah's Witnesses is that Mormons are trying to assimilate, blend in, call themselves Christians. They'll call us brothers and sisters, which is different from some of the other you know True. cults. Mm. And it's working. They're, they are assimilating. And there are a lot of evangelicals that are kind of like, no, no, Mormons are okay. It's like, wait, do you understand what they teach? So on that point, I, I I did this with a couple of Mormon missionaries. I've shared this before on the podcast, but it's worth repeating. I was talking to a couple of Mormon missionaries, and I said, hey, l- let me ask you, what do you think of this verse? And I opened my Bible up to Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, and I began to, to read, but I said, for by works have you been saved through great efforts, and that completely of yourselves. It is your reward from God as a result of your labor, giving you reason to boast. And I, I'll never forget this young missionary looking at me and going, yeah, that sounds right. <laughs> I'm like, what? He wasn't very happy with me after I revealed to him that it actually says the exact opposite. But it, that sums up their their Yeah, doctrine. absolutely. They could agree with it. because If you tell a, a Christian who really knows God's word that, they'll say, what are you doing? You're twisting yeah. the word. That's not, it says the opposite of that, you know? So, and then of course you have the nature of God, which is massive. Mormons don't believe in the Trinity. They are tritheistic. Mm-hmm. They believe in three separate gods. Mark quoted the uh, King Follett discourse, which is literally, as man now is, God once was, as God now is, man may be. And they believe in multiple gods, right? Our God had a God and he became a God and we can be exalted and become gods and get our own planet and multiply and have our own spirit children. I mean, it's crazy. And it flies in the face of scripture, Isaiah 43, 10. You are my witnesses, says the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me, there was no God formed, nor shall there be after me. That's good. I mean, how do you get around that, Mark? You can't. Uh, do you remember 25 years ago or so, we had written a letter to the Smithsonian Institute and uh, National Geographic yeah. asking them for their take on the archaeology and the different th- aspects uh, about uh, Mormonism. Yeah. And they wrote back, and they had no idea what position we were taking as we wrote to them. But he wrote something like this, and I still have the letters at home. I was trying to remember exactly what they said. Uh, Though there are many sincere adherents to Mormonism and readers of the Book of Mormon, after much archaeological research, we have found nothing to authenticate the vast claims of Mormonism. Wow. Right? And I was just like, wow, yeah. that's kind of something to tuck into the back of a yeah, book. Yeah, and, sure. and you know, because the Book of Mormon, its its premise really is that it's about early Israelites that came here to, to the, the Americas, Americas. In, in 600 right. B.C., and so that's the whole premise behind it. And there's <laughs> nothing no anywhere yeah. archaeologically that would even come close to verifying anything like that. One other doctrine um, that I wanted to touch on, uh, which Andrew Jackson does good on, I'm, I'm going to quote him in a minute, but it's sin and atonement. Yeah. So they don't, they don't believe in original sin. They don't believe that we are fallen in nature, but that we, are, that we are mostly good who tend to fall. So here's how Andrew Jackson points out too. He says that Mormons believe that Adam's transgression was a noble act that made it possible for humans to become mortal, a necessary step on the path towards exaltation to godhood. Mm-hmm. They think that Christ's atonement secures immortality for virtually all people, whether they repent and believe or not. Wow. That is vastly yeah, different than Christianity. Totally, big time. And you know, on the thing regarding, uh, because it's such a big one, a man becoming God or there are multiple gods, Isaiah 44, 6, that says the Lord, the King of Israel and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first and I am the last. Beside me, there is no God. And then in verse eight, do not fear nor be afraid. Have I not told you that time and declared it? You are my witnesses. Is there a God besides me? Indeed, there is no other rock. I know not one. So none formed before him or after him. There is none beside. God doesn't know of any of this. That's right. It's impossible. And what they have to do is they have to try to twist scripture in order to fit Joseph Smith's revelation. Mm. And that's when you know you're, you're in major, major danger. And also, again, God had no beginning. Psalm 92, before the mountains were brought forth or ever you had formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You know, we can go on and on and on. There's so much to say, friends. Ray, close us out. What would you say to a, a Mormon who were to say to you, yeah, but I got a burning in my bosom. I read the Book oh, of yeah, Mormon and I have a burning in my bosom. Tums. 
<laughs> but Ray, that, that's just basically basing their faith on emotion rather than the foundation of God's word. Absolutely. No fear of God, no um, esteeming of scripture. You've got to go to scriptures and see what does the scripture say. Be as the Marines who search the scriptures daily to see if these things are so. If they're not, toss them out. Yeah, remind me one of my raps, being a Berean and searching and seeing if what is said is true. Is it agreeing with the word that is taught and heard by many because many twist and distort the scripture to their own destruction? They don't follow my God's instruction. I would love here, to hear somebody, because you know some of the podcast apps allow you to slow it down to like 25% speed. <laughs> I want to hear your <laughs> rap at 25% speed. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, friends, well, there you have it. Look, there's so much more we could have touched on and talked about. But look, we have so much at our disposal. You have no excuse, Christian, for not understanding Mormonism, its doctrines, and understanding how to engage with them on their doctrines and love. Most importantly, taking it back to the gospel. You can listen to sermons. You can listen to podcasts. You can look up all kinds of things. You can get books. We owe it to Mormons out of love to understand their faith, and they respect that. You know, when you engage with Mormons, Jehovah's Witnesses, Catholics, other people in false religions or cults, and you you demonstrate, you understand what they believe, they're more respectful and receptive. Mm. So make sure to do that, friends. Yeah, you could check out one of our episodes too. I don't know if it's online or not. can't remember. Yes, but it is. And it there's is. another one interviewed two Mormons, Huntington Beach, about eight months ago. And I think it's called Mormons Don't Want You to Know This. It's had half a million views. Yeah. Really sincere Mormon couple that got saved. Yeah. So look them up. Go on our, our YouTube channel or, or type in uh, in the search Living Waters Mormonism. Uh, they should come up. And uh, yeah, remember to check out the Starter Kit and the Evidence Bible. And remember, please, friends, give us a rating, comments, share about the podcast. This is one of the top podcasts in the world right now, by God's grace. Thanks to you and God's grace. <laughs> after, <laughs> uh, after, all we, after all we can do. <laughs> after all that we can do, which is nothing. Thanks for joining us, friends. We'll see you here next time on the Living Waters Podcast, where we have no idea what, Oscar? We're doing. <laughs> what we're doing. Winners, winners, winners. That's you, friends. Those of you who I'm about to announce are the winners of this week's podcast giveaway on the Living Waters podcast. We've got Carlos from Lamont, California, Daniel from Jamestown, North Carolina, Ed Washburn from Tennessee, David Norwood from North Carolina, Doug Campobello from South Carolina, Ali from Falls Church, Virginia, Adrian from Hattiesburg, Mississippi, Joshua from Excelsior Springs, Missouri, Eva from Bow Island, Canada, and Penelope from Bardwell Park, Australia. Shout out to the Aussies and the Canadians out there. Friends, you can get this too. Those of you who are listening, just share the word and sign up for the Living Waters Podcast.